Welcome, horse lovers. You're listening to the Horsepower Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Smink, ranch kid turned pro barrel racer, entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll be bringing you the most talented and accomplished, inspiring and interesting minds in the equine industry from every facet all around the world. Together, we can turn decades into days sharing knowledge and experience to elevate each other on our own personal journeys. So tighten your cinch, because here we go. What's up, guys? It's Jenna, your host, coming to you all the way from Dubai. All right. This week is an exceptionally awesome episode because we get to learn about Icelandic horses and we are interviewing Holly from all the way around the world. She comes to us from Iceland where she breeds and trains horses. So we will get into that, a couple little nuggets that I wanted to share up front that I was just blown away by is that Iceland is one of the most horse dense areas in the whole world. So for every three people, there's one horse. There's about 80,000 horses on the whole island, and they are a pure breed, which means that importing is completely banned. They are only allowed to be bred in country, and if one of the horses ever leaves, it's never allowed to come back. So I just thought that was really cool, and they were actually brought over by Vikings, so the, the history of this horse is just incredibly amazing. We learn all about it, and something else that sets them apart which I didn't know, is that they are 12 to 14 hands, but they are not called ponies. And Holly's going to tell us why. Another cool thing about these horses is that they have five gates, which completely blew my mind. So stay tuned to see what those are. And I also wanted to catch you up on my situation just a little bit because I am recording this close to live. So as soon as this airs, um, you know, it's just two days in front of right now. And so, like I said, I'm recording from Dubai. I'm finishing up my quarantine here and getting prepped and ready to go back to Afghanistan. And I work there 60 days at a time. And then the next 60 days, I get to spend at home chasing my dreams down the rodeo road. So I'm super excited to get started. I know this COVID thing has been affecting us all. And I actually haven't been back to work now for over four months. And I wish I could say that I was rodeoing at home the whole time. But I've, you know, I actually went, went to the hospital and found out that I had COVID. So I was sick while home, totally over that. Now, coupled with this quarantine, I've been out of, you know, out of the arena, out of rodeoing for about a month and a half now. So this is one great way to keep me interested, keep me mentally engaged in the industry, and just keep me sharp, practicing my skills, um, learning more along the way. So Without further ado, let me introduce you to our next guest, Holly. Please tell us about yourself. And I didn't even attempt to <laughs> pronounce your last name, so you'll have to say that for us. Go ahead, Holly. Yes. Uh, hi. I am. Um, my name is Erla Björk. Um, I'm here in the south, and I train and breed horses, Icelandic horses. And for you that don't maybe know that. In Iceland, we only have Icelandic horses. There are no other horses allowed. And if uh, a horse leaves Iceland, it can never come back. Uh, and has been like this for 1,000 years. Um, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, breeding Icelandic horses, it's a really big part of Icelandic culture, the horse. Um, 
we have a special horse. Um, it has five gates. Uh, it has the ground gates, walk, trot, canter, like all horses. And then it has the toad, which is their um, luxury sofa gate. It's amazing. Of course, there are other breeds that have toads, but it's um, we we focus on it, and we also have the pace. Um, we have we um, do a lot with the gates. Our our um, goal in breeding is is uh, having the gates as good as possible. They have to be clean, beaded, and separated. Like uh, tilt is tilt and pace is pace. There's no if it's uh, if it's uh, mixed, then we don't like it. Mm, we we focus on high movements, speed, power, but at the same time we have also really sweet horses like sweet family horses perfect family horses they're so cuddly and fluffy and sweet but they're still strong enough to carry a grown-up person um you know a guy a full-sized guy it's not a problem of course you don't maybe choose the smallest horse but you still uh, have horses here that fit them and um i feel like often and the development of uh, foreign people is um, when you get older and maybe you want a smaller horse, which is easier to mount, mm -hmm. you go for the Icelandic one. It's easier to go on and it's soft. You don't have to, in the trot, you have to step it or something. You can just sit on your ass and have your sofa tilt. <laughs> it's kind of comfortable. Awesome. So I want to give people a really quick overview just for a lot of my listeners, I know we're not super familiar with the breed and you gave us a lot of great info yeah. that I have so many questions on, but just to back up. So the Icelandic horse, I think there's a misconception where some people, including myself yesterday when we first spoke, I wanted to say Icelandic <laughs> pony just because of their height in the U.S. or in the quarter horse breed, anything that's under a certain height, no matter what the breed is, we call it a pony. But for Icelandic horses, that isn't the case. Um, but what is their average height and how do you distinguish between a horse and a pony? What makes you call them a horse versus a pony, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, of course. Um, so the thing is, um, in the, in the, not in Iceland, I think it's like 150, like one meter 50. Then they are horses and under that they are ponies, if I remember right, you know. Okay. I have horses here that are 150. That is rare, but there are horses here that are this big. Mostly ponies, they carry less weight. They mm -hmm. cannot, um, they cannot do these things. I mean, if you look at an Icelandic horse, this is a sturdy horse. A medium Icelandic horse today is one forty-two or three, something like this. Um, they are growing always. Uh, they are, the breed in the whole is growing, so it was much smaller. So I think. People think about Icelandic horses and they think they are smaller than they are. Mm -hmm. But they are also extremely strong. Like and, and very so they live outside here in Iceland in the winter time and they get hay and some of them and some of them live just on the land. Um at the same time they they are were before nineteen fifty uh, we didn't have cars or anything, so we the horse was the only reason we could live here. So it did all the jobs that needed to be done. In in Europe, there was long cars and stuff taken over, but we used them very long and they did everything. And mm -hmm. um, and they are super strong, like um, and very good for 
all jobs. Yeah, and can carry the weight of a grown man and pull, you know, several times their actual weight. So that's pretty cool that they're so, like, diverse that way. Um, Because usually in the U.S., you think of ponies as just for kids, and usually you don't see an adult riding one, and people don't really translate that across the different breeds, how that might be different. So that's awesome that you could clear that up for us. And then I know you said they had five gates, which is super unique, which we don't see a lot of at all in the U.S. I have heard of yeah. the pace, and I know what that looks like, but I'm more more familiar with that than I am the tolt. Can you explain the the tolt? I think I'm saying that right. Yep. Yeah, tolt and that's the luxury uh, Yes, it's a luxury gate. It's our our pride. It's a um, it's a four beat gate. It's it the legs move very similar than like when they're walking, but they're going much quicker and they're you know they cannot and they are um, they're very smooth. It's like when you sit on them, they can go in very very much speed in the toad and also slow, and um, and we do speed changes and we have twelve competitions, four get competitions, five get competition and pace competition, and um, and the toad is um, the most popular to compete in and um, and then but also with the luxury ones you they're just very smooth. You sit on them and you can we have a fun competition called beer tout and then you should sit on your horse hold the glass of beer and not spill anything oh that's be awesome. the quickest <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, and can you imagine what would that, happen if you would be in trot <laughs> right and that's something that they're born with right or do you have to train any of that or yes. or work on that gate with them mm-hmm. you do have to so they are we have four gators also but um more five gators sometimes we write them as four gators and then we skip the pace um but the thing is they are of you they are born with it some horses you have to teach it under a rider so you have to say okay now you do tell like you're just basically like you're teaching it to do some dressage or something like this you have mm-hmm. to you have to say like this is the cue for told it's not accidentally tilting. You are saying now we tilt, and and now we trot, and just like other gates, we train each gate. Okay, yeah, that makes some, sense. Yeah, yeah. And then as some far of as them as far as their temperament, tilt. um, are they fairly yeah. easy to train? Are they somewhat wild, or what are they like as compared to your regular quarter horse that you would find in the U.S.? So for me, it's a little bit of a hard question because I don't know I have worked both in the US and and, and in Germany and Sweden uh, so I have seen some of these bigger horses they, mm-hmm. they do look wilder to me um, but of <laughs> course um, a horse is a horse a young horse is uh, is is fiery and you know something like this but uh, in the whole the breed is you know you can find really sweet horses but there are also very willing horses out there but we the breeding goal is always that they are not bucking, not running, and not kicking. This is something we breed out. You know, we don't want that. We, but a young horse is a young horse. You know, you don't. It needs training, and it needs um, it needs um, just learning how to be. You know, with people. Sure. But, yeah. Just yeah. like any horse, and that's your yes. only job is training and breeding horses. Is that correct? Yes, and selling them. 
So tell us a little bit about how you got into that. Was that something that your family did growing up or how did you come across that as a profession? Well, it, no, I was, so my mom is petrified of horses. Oh, wow. Like, literally really scared of horses. And my family was not in horses and I was raised in the city, but I, I cried myself into going to a farm in the summer when I was 12. And then after my confirmation, do you call it that? When you have this, um, you go to the church and... Oh, uh, yes. Yep. Um, yes. And you get some presents and I got some money. Then I bought, um, I bought a horse. Um, I thought that was a great idea. And then I just from that, I, just from the first year, I started training horses for other people. I was very... I was not scared at all. I could go on any horse because I had, yeah, I was just very relaxed about it. And um, um, and I have been basically training since. I had, uh, we have a school in Iceland called Olar University. It's a university, which is a three-year um, BA study on, um, on equine, you know, mm -hmm. on horses. You know, we're just learning how to how ride. How cool is that? That would be so fun. Yeah, and I went there, and then I also have worked with really good trainers here in Iceland, different ones, and you take really good teachers, and you take stuff from each one, and you, you know, develop it into your own, and then you work, I worked abroad, and kind of felt like it's a bit different how they ride the Icelandic horse. In other countries, often they have them more as leisure horses, while we here in Iceland, we are focusing often very a lot on the competition part which is also good, you know, but it was good to have a different view than only from Icelandic view of horses. So, yeah, we are yeah. more serious about it. And then you're in, in, yeah, they want Icelandic horses in the mainland is more for leisure and than the sport. Often, so when you say compete, um, what is, what is the competition called? Or um, is it just those gates, almost like a horse show? in the u.s where you're just judging the confirmation and movement of the horse or what what other ways are we there have, to compete so we have two different types okay so we have we have breeding shows where we just show the confirmation and the gates and then they have restrictions of the weight of what they can be on the legs and everything so that is more for breeding so there are stallions and mares that go to that then we have general competitions where there is um it's all from being like a hobby people are training and, and showing and then really high jockeys that go and show really cool horses. And um, we we do the gates, it's the tilt, we have tilt competitions, we have T2, which is loose rein tilt, we have four gate and then we have five gate and then we have pace races. So it is, um, yeah, so, and we, we do, there are very high standards of what, you know, we have world championships, we have um, national competitions, and they are very big in this. Um, so every two years we have this national competition called Lunch Mode, and there are 10,000 people, they come and they stay a week and to tr check out the horses. And then we have the world championships, which is of course not in Iceland because we can never, because um, the, no horse from the mainland can come back, so that cannot happen. Ah, yes, I 
did hear you say that. I thought that was something that was very unique. I don't know any other breeds that are that way, but that dates way back to like Viking Parliament. I was reading about it. Um, And I guess, yeah, yeah, that was one of my questions. Is that still true today? And I guess that the point of that is just to keep the breed completely purebred um, on the island. Yeah, and also diseases. We have very, so we are, they don't have, they have almost no diseases. And um, we have, it's very important when a person comes into Iceland, cannot have any horse gear on them. It has to be sterile. So you Hmm. cannot bring leather shoes or something. You have to sterilize. I didn't realize that. And yeah, we've, um, we had a, unfortunate 2010, all the horses in Iceland got sick because someone brought something. And the thing is, we are also, so if we would start to allow it, we would have big problems because of diseases that we just don't know here. Right. While so you have it. And when they leave one and one horse, of course they can get vaccinated and so mm-hmm. on, but we cannot vaccinate 80,000 horses. Right. Not work. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question is, do you do any type of vaccinations when they're born or it's completely, completely natural? Nothing. Very yeah, cool. It's no vaccinations. That's very And they just give birth out in the field, not inside the stable or okay. they're not even, of course we monitor them, but they are basically, they just do it on their own. Mm-hmm. They are very strong in this way. Interesting. That's very cool. So when you're breeding horses, you don't, do you ship semen at all or is it only within Iceland and is it to approved mares or are they able, are you able to crossbreed? You're not allowed to ship semen from anywhere else. So you can only use the the stallions that are in Iceland. Thankfully, we always have the best ones. But, and the, the cool thing is our country is quite small. So mm-hmm. um, all, we have a lot of stallions and we can choose from them. Like if you're in Germany, you can only choose from this re- re- like region in Germany. Or if you're mm-hmm. there, you cannot choose as many as we can. Of course, you can breed whatever you want. But um, most people are not breeding just to breed because it's cost money. So right. we, we try to use good mares and good stallions. Of course, there are some that are not, uh, but they are. They don't stand under the cost, so it makes no sense. So of mm-hmm. course, it's much more that we are focusing on. At least my goal is always very good mare and very good stallion and I put a lot of thought into what stallion fits what mare and of course sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't I you know sometimes you're lucky sometimes not but in general I am for my breeding I'm super happy you know I have a young breeding and I already have a first press stallion and you know I am I am very very happy of what I got out of it very cool. And I was reading on your website too that anyone from around the world can basically lease a mare to have a foal yeah. in Iceland for a purebred Icelandic horse. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit yes. about that process. And I hate to ask, but I have to know what it costs. And I know a lot of the viewers will want to know that too. Yeah. Um, because someday I plan on going to Iceland and how cool would it be to own a horse there? Come and ride him when he's like yeah. three or four. <laughs> It is very cool. Yes, so um, we have this Lisa Mayer program. It is not common in Iceland, but we I have known people that wanted to have one foal, you know. It's exciting and see what's coming out, and they're excited about some special stallion, and they want the foal after him. And um, so 
then I um, went into this, uh, I had quite many mares that came up a situation where I had more than I needed. So I thought like, yeah, why not having this, you know, help other people breed. Mm-hmm. And um, so you rent a mare, you choose the mare, you, you maybe have a special, you want the color, you want the gates. You also have extremely many colors on our horses. So like all colors you can imagine, except these dotted ones, but other, okay. all, uh, other colors we have. And, um, and then um, you lease a mare and the mare goes, I will, I take it to the stallion. You choose a stallion. I drive it to the stallion. It goes there. It gets covered and, and it is guaranteed covered mare. It's not like, Oh no, oh, it awesome. didn't get covered. You have to yeah. pay it anyway. It's yeah. not like that. <laughs> it is always guaranteed foal. A live foal is guaranteed. So um, then, you know, you have to wait. It's a long wait of 11 months. <laughs> and then yeah. it comes a foal. The costs and, of that is so that you need to I calculate into what I have to feed the mare over this time. The foal is six months old approximately. When it has to leave the mare, it's six to eight months. It depends on. You know, it's the different times of the year and if the mare is uh, fat or thin or something like this. So um, when the foal leaves the mom, it goes on to the cost of the buyer of the foal or, you know, the leisure. Um, it is depending on the mare. Is it the first person here? Oh, is sure. It, uh, you know, so it and goes from the 300 stallion to, too. Yeah. Well, the stallion fee you pay. Mm-hmm. That is... You, uh, so it's just a mare and guaranteed foal and you would pay for the stallion and also the transport to the stallion because well very many times it's nothing because they are very close by but some of them are far away so mm-hmm. um it is from 350,000 and up to 1 million Icelandic kroner holy smokes <laughs> I would have to yeah it, i guess there is a much more than oh, wow <laughs> <laughs> I think it is just like um, yeah, yes. I think it is about. Ooh, I'm. I can maybe translate it in euros. It's maybe from um, two thousand five hundred euros up to yeah, uh, eight thousand euros. Okay, that's more doable. Yes, it's so it's the same. It's just once this, we have this. V- once a foal is on the ground what age do you typically ride them at so often they are started for like one month at three years old um then they stand out again well some people ride them from three years old i i recommend taking them just um i halter train them at at one or uh and then i take them three years old and make them just ride the bull you can ride outside takes maybe one two two months maybe three months then you just put them back on the field let them have their happy horse life and then you take them in half a year later train them a little bit more and i like to do it in these steps because mm-hmm. um yeah so Makes they grow and, and go along the way yeah and they can think about it in between i mm-hmm. i don't like it when you take very older and then they are already kind of hard in their head right. and um yeah but i think you take them quite young these quarter horses we don't do that yeah depending so. on their discipline like cutting horses or race horses will be competing at two and three years old i 
typically don't run horses on the barrels until they're about four but that being said they've already been trained and can ride around but yeah everybody does it a little bit different but I was just curious about what age you go for so that's about the same we all or most people I know you like to halt or break them and at least mess with them before they're they're too old so that the training process isn't harder later on yeah but my next question is so say I've purchased a an Icelandic horse and it's on the ground it's three years old maybe I have it in training with you for two years but then I want to bring it to the U.S. So I know I can never bring yes. it back to Iceland, um, but what is the oh. transport fees on something like that? Is that doable or does that happen a lot or do people really not Ooh. do that? Well, yeah, I've, I've uh, sold quite a bit of horses to, um, to the U.S. And um, yes, it is doable. There is a flight that goes, well, you can go to, uh, it's always going to New York um it goes a few times a year they they collect horses into the plane so there's not going one there go a few yeah and um and then, yes and then they drive them from new york to wherever they are located um i think so in the u.s it's i don't remember the fee there it is around maybe two thousand dollars or something like that i'm not sure okay um, but yeah it is doable i know it is yeah oh yeah for sure and to leash uh, which is in belgium there there's like 1025 euros um to to just the the flight um and i think that is totally doable and the prices in iceland are usually lower than the prices abroad Uh, but of course because you have to add the cost of the the transport well, interesting. But sometimes I feel like I see friends from a horse that is raised in Iceland and a horse, because now I have worked in a few places in the world and I have often been able to tell like, yeah, this one was born in Iceland because they have a little bit different attitude to them. <laughs> I think it's, they are quite, uh, they are raised a little bit wilder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because yeah. they're kind of... characteristic. Uh, yeah strong often yeah and a lot of muscles because they're running around in in yeah more muscles and of course it's not always uh, there's different places but um, yeah i have had i have the feeling that they are a little bit like this Mm -hmm. yeah and then say um say owning an icelandic horse isn't in the cards for me but if you wanted to come visit iceland i know the tourists aspect of your culture is huge so how hard is it or what do you have to do to just go out there and see a real Icelandic horse and maybe take a ride is that something you do at your ranch or where could you do that I do not do that I am I am um, but there are a lot of horse rentals here um, in my area is I think five and you can choose horse rentals let's say if you're a beginner then you choose these uh, mm-hmm. popular ones where they go like 40 people together on a horse oh, that wow. is half asleep and you walk some round. <laughs> but yeah. then there are these small, really nice um, horse rentals um, which have more of a private tour. It's a little bit more expensive, but then mm-hmm. you get really good horses which actually told and do really cool things. And there's not a tourist next to you that has never gone on a horse before. Mm-hmm. And then you cannot go out of walk and that would kind of suck for a horse person. 
to right. be stuck, right. you know, in a line like this. But yeah. of course, for a beginner, this is great. So, but for a horse person, I would always recommend the small firms and the, the and look at the reviews. You know, how are they doing? And there are a lot of really good ones that are offering. Re- and then there is a really cool thing you can do in Iceland in the summertime. So you can ride the horse for a week or so over the highlands. So they take maybe 100 horses oh, in a wow. group and they just make them run in the middle <laughs> and you're run, like you're riding around and uh, they just go for a week and they're that riding like 30 kilometers per day. You're staying in huts and it's really, that is a really cool thing for a horse person to do. And it's, hmm. it's uh, like in winter time, you cannot go there because it's just, you know, so nothing. Yeah. But, uh, and it's really, that is a really cool thing for, for someone that is a horse person to do in Iceland, like take a week trip over the highlands and just be in the wild and it's that is that is the cool part well very cool i did have one more question for you before we wrap up it's kind of off topic but i found it on the internet when i was doing a little research on icelandic horses um is horse meat something that you eat regularly at restaurants in iceland no oh well i think they're in one in one restaurants but there is, it is the, in the culture of Iceland, they are, it is, you know, they do make it and stuff, but it is not very popular, I have to mm-hmm. say. I mean, I think they more move it to Japan or I don't know where. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it is not like, like we are eating it a lot or anything mm-hmm. like this, but, but it is. You could find it on a menu on some places, but typically, would you go in a restaurant, you would much more find lamb. We are lamb. Okay. Nation, you raise beef cattle there too. Yeah. We have. Yes, we do. But the lambs are roaming free everywhere. In the summertime, you will see them everywhere, roaming free in Iceland. Oh, awesome! Over the mountains and on the roads. <laughs> yeah. So, Come so on. this is. They have a very good, happy life, and you know um yeah but beef we do but it's not in the same extent that you do it Mm -hmm. lamp is our thing (laughs) well very cool i think that's all the questions that i had for you holly i learned a ton and hopefully our viewers did too um i just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with this super awesome unique breed and hopefully one day i'll make it to iceland um, to see for myself but Is there anything you wanted to say in closing or maybe that a website where people can reach you and learn more about what it is that you do? Yes. Yes. Um, you can go on my Instagram. It's quad two. And also my um, Facebook is quad two. And it is, you can see about my breeding and my, my, um, my website is Icelandic and this line horses dot is. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to click on those links. Um, But thank you so much, Holly. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And have a good day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the next episode of the Horsepower Podcast. Whoa. I said, whoa. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. If you enjoyed this episode today, please tag and share on social media to help us connect other horse lovers around the globe. Like, subscribe, and review. It would seriously help, and I will be forever grateful. And as always, thank you for listening to the Horsepower Podcast.
Until next time, keep your head up and your heels down.